Hello, this is Sabiwa, and you are listening to CITR FM 101.9, Vancouver. Good morning and welcome back to The Real World on CATR 101.9 FM. Um, I'm your host, Alex, and I'm here with my friend, Bex, who, if you're a regular listener, you definitely know her. Um, We're broadcasting live today from unceded Musqueam and Coast Salish Territory on the UBC campus in Vancouver, BC. Real World is associated with UBC Film Society, one of the oldest clubs on campus and one of the coolest, and it's a space for just talking about film with friends. Um, I first wanted to start off just giving like a big thanks um, to everybody who came out to the Norm Grand Reopening last week. That was a really, really cool event, um, and the AMS kind of helped Film Society put that on, but it was completely packed. I think they sold out all like 350 tickets online, which is pretty cool for how kind of low-key Film Society's been um, the past like couple years since um, the Norm's not been operating. Uh, But it was a really, really cool event, and Improv was there and did a performance, and then we showed the Big Lebowski and had the human bowling thing and all that, and there was beer and wine and endless popcorn. Um, But it was just really cool to see people from kind of all different corners of campus and all different spheres kind of meeting in this place. Yeah, I guess that's like the one uniting thing we have, you know, maybe. Hopefully not. Um, But uh, yeah, so next week's screening at The Norm is The 400 Blows and Mid-90s. So that'll be really cool. We love Jonah Hill. Um, The doors open at 6 next Thursday at The Norm Theater. So if you got nothing to do, that's maybe one of your last days of classes, you know, head on over. It'll be a good time. Um, uh, yeah, so today we are going to be talking about the film Kamome Shokudo, or like Kamome Diner, which means Seagull Diner in Japanese. Um, and it's a movie from 2006 by director Naoko Ogigami. Um, she's 47 and studied film production at USC, I looked up, which is pretty cool. Yeah. We're both from California, so, uh... <laughs> That was funny to read. Place to be, I guess so. Um, yeah, I heard about this movie through my friend Risako. She's my uh, Japanese language partner <laughs> who I practice Japanese with every week. And she mentioned that this is her favorite movie. Um, and she really likes Finland, which is where the film takes place. She's really obsessed with like vintage tableware and antique shops and stuff which I guess is really popular in Finland um and just like Finnish design I guess so um yeah I definitely see why she loves this movie because just aesthetically like this film is everything Mm -hmm. it's mind-blowing how beautiful it is um but yeah just some basic plot stuff it follows this main character Sachi who um, moved to Finland from Japan. We don't really know why. I feel like it's pretty vague why she moved there. She shared that it was the calmness of the people in Finland Mm -hmm. that really attracted her. Yeah, which we kind of explore more as the film goes on. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, she starts this diner in Helsinki, um, yeah, like in like the downtown area, I guess. And that's her like Kamome Diner. And it's serves like exclusively Japanese food. And it's very much kind of like Japanese comfort food. So onigiri and these little like plates and side dishes and stuff. So no like sushi, no ramen, no like kind of stereotypical, as she puts it, 
dishes that people kind of expect from a Japanese restaurant. Um, but yeah, when we kind of are introduced to her as a character and the diner, um, she has no customers. So a lot of the shots, yeah, are just her kind of looking out the window or like cleaning a table or something, but there's nobody there. Um, and then we see like her first customer who's this kind of anime yeah. fan kind of yeah, young man, Tommy. Yeah. Loves Japanese culture, I think. So he comes in and he speaks Japanese with her and that becomes like their first regular customer. We actually never hear him speak Finnish. Finnish. I was thinking about that actually. Yeah. That we never see hear him speak like his own language. language. It's always Japanese, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, as the movie goes on Sachi meets another Japanese woman named Midori and just like by chance they meet in some bookstore and Midori is also just kind of floating around in Finland, has no like definitive purpose there or length of stay defined. So she ends up working at the diner Mm, and yeah, they become friends. Um, And then there's a third woman also who joins them, Masako, who's like an older woman who um her luggage gets lost i guess when she like was transferring flights to get to finland and same with her she's like i'm not really a tourist i don't know how long i'm gonna stay um so she ends up also working at the diner and they become this little you know trio of buddies (laughs) yeah so then as the film goes on we just kind of see how um more customers are becoming more attracted to the diner and how she's building this, I guess, rapport with these people who all become regular customers. Like we're seeing the same characters coming in all the time. Um, and uh, I really appreciated the shape yeah. change. Yeah, which is definitely like I have a discussion question okay. about that. That's going to be a key key theme here. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting movie. I still feel like I'm I'm trying to process it and like totally wrap my head around it. Like I think there's a lot that I'm missing. We should watch it again. But um Oh, thank you. Um but uh yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening there. And um I guess I wanted to start with just the kind of surface level stuff like aesthetics um set design which bex here is an expert in Mm -hmm. um and yeah just like some really beautiful kind of establishing shots that we're first introduced to and things like that um maybe we could start with i was thinking a lot about like that pool scene Mm. yeah it opened with that or it opened with like seagulls and then we went to her swimming in a pool uh it was all just blue tone Mm -hmm. throughout the film like blue and teal which i really loved because it was calming colors right and i think the director i was reading she focuses on this idea of calm through film and i think she communicates that well with like the sound of water wind natural things and seagulls Mm -hmm. and not even much chatter like they're in the capital but it doesn't feel like what i imagine a big city to be. yeah it feels like a small town kind of yeah by the water very calm we hear trees in the wind Mm -hmm. i i i we were so calm throughout we were talking about it It was just so peaceful (laughs) yeah this is a great movie to watch like at the end of school oh my god after a stress i could watch it again (laughs) (laughs) i want to watch it again i think i need a i need a second time through yeah um yeah I was thinking too about like um yeah you're saying the teals and blues and stuff so her actual cafe or like the diner um I guess I I didn't know a lot about like what Finnish interior design looks like or anything like that but I just did a bunch of googling before Mm -hmm. this and I think it is like very representative of that style um like super clean like a lot of light a lot of like really white which isn't very different than Japanese design yeah pretty minimalist Mm -hmm. simple um like open space kind of layout but uh yeah they had white walls and then halfway down on the walls they had blue paneling Mm -hmm. um 
and then light wood tables, these like little mini trees that lined the windowsill. She had a large window. Yeah. Um, and then probably like half of the restaurant was this kitchen, this open kitchen. So everyone could see her cook mm-hmm. and smell everything that she was cooking, which was brought some customers in that right. we saw. And the kitchen kind of faces the huge window at the front of the diner. So, like, as you said, everything is visible, not just to people who are already sitting in the diner, um, but also people outside of it. So it's kind of these, like, two layers of watching happen Mm. with the customers inside, but also kind of potential customers who are outside. Um, I think the outside looks pretty similar, too. It's, like, white and then, like, pop of blue um, or something like that. But a really large door. Yeah, we don't learn a whole lot about, like, how she acquired the shop how she's able to keep it open with no customers yeah or any kind of background about i guess the the day-to-day like logistics of the of the diner or how it came about um but i guess it's not you know really where the emphasis needs to be it's so much more about kind of the atmosphere within it and Mm. the relationships that that space fosters yeah um yeah so i was thinking there is some parts that I feel like we both were we cried or almost cried. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was just thinking a lot about like what about this film makes it emotional despite nothing explicitly emotional being said. Right. I I was thinking about that a lot this morning and like last night after the film and I don't know if it's the feeling of being lost but being content with that Mm -hmm. and creating your own path and not letting others like sway you from that but you're still lost so it's like a weird contradiction throughout the film right and i think they also paired beautiful moving music that was lighthearted, but still really like thoughtful and calming with these nature moments or these natural sounds Mm -hmm. and just wide slow pans and you just felt like you were moving with everyone throughout the film and I think their growth became like mine and I was like wow I'm 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 crying now all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and it was a good cathartic experience but I I'm really can't pin down exactly why I was crying yeah I don't know if it's like a concrete thing Um, it's funny you mentioned camera movement because I was thinking about how yeah a lot of the shots are static or like extremely incredibly slow pan or zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's like the same spot in the diner is shown, they'll use like the exact same position of the camera. Like it doesn't change yeah. at all, which I thought was interesting. Um, but we still were able to people, see every part of the restaurant. Yeah, and people like sit in the same tables once she has these regular customers. So I feel like that kind of echoed that kind of sense of routine or regularity consistency or something comfort Mm -hmm. that there's nothing unexpected and like this film doesn't rely on crazy camera movements and I think I was thinking a lot about like Wes Anderson movies Mm. at first I was like oh like something about this vibe feels similar I agree but I think Wes Anderson movies are like way more flashy and like do rely a lot there's a pace to them yeah on those really quick pans and those like really intense zoom ins and stuff like that that this movie doesn't need Need. yeah and I I almost like enjoy that more I think that that it makes you focus on what's happening and what's being said and kind of all of the context and everything rather than like the film itself like the film yeah. is a thing, mm-hmm. you know, you're just very sucked into what's happening inside of it. And I mean, the acting was m- amazing. Mm-hmm. The facial just like reactions to everything. We're like, we got it. I, I understand. Or or just uh, you're just there with them. and yeah. can understand what they're feeling, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think the two um, like Sachi, the main character, and then the first woman who kind of enters her life, Midori, mm-hmm. they're such interesting contrast um so at the very beginning when we're introduced to Sachi she's like narrating this kind of montage of all these seagulls in the town and the ocean cat and stuff dying, like that and yeah her mom dying soon after mm-hmm. so she has this kind of weird monologue about mm-hmm. yeah the death of her cat the death of her mom seagulls. um how she loves fat animals oh yeah 
and how her father, who was a martial arts instructor, um, taught her to never cry in front of other people. Mm. So in this like weirdly humorous monologue, we also like learn a lot about her emotionally, right? This story with her parents, mm-hmm. um, her own kind of like emotional demeanor. And then I think seeing when Midori first comes to her house and she, Sachi makes her like this really beautiful dinner and that's like, I don't know, the whole thing was just very welcoming and right. warm for Midori, who I feel like is visibly like flustered coming there and, and didn't know why she was there necessarily. Um, but Midori starts to cry. It was Japanese food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after having just like one bite of the rice that Sachi made her, yeah. she kind of starts to break down and like very silently, Sachi like just glances at her and brings over the tissue box. And I don't know, that was just like so simple and beautiful to me right. that even though like she, we don't ever see her cry or her like display a lot of anger or sadness or strong reactions, she has this intuition. She for can other be people. empathetic still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really, and, it was, it was completely silent. It was really beautiful. Yeah, there's no there's no music in a lot of scenes, which is interesting. Like what what they choose to put a score on and what they didn't. Um, so a lot, I think a lot of like kind of the more emotional things. There was no music with it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the sound of the door at the restaurant, mm-hmm. and throughout the film i became accustomed to that sound i'd be like oh someone's entering yeah they wouldn't even show the door and i'd hear the sound and then she'd turn around and say welcome in japanese Mm -hmm. and i i was like oh welcome like i know the sound people are coming in yay customers (laughs) i was like just as excited as she was um but even those like little sound cues i think really helped me dive further in and just be present Mm mm-hmm I think same with um, when Sachi's cooking food for customers and stuff. The sounds of, um, like, she puts, you know, salmon onto this little grill, sizzle. the sizzle of that, or the whatever she's making the in the coffee. pan. The pouring of the coffee, um, like the crackling of seaweed as they wrap the mm. onigiri, oh, yeah, the little yeah. rice balls. Um, yeah, we just grow really familiar with these things. We were both like, interesting. I want onigiri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess, what was I just thinking? Oh, that, like, Sachi's kind of intuition for other people. I was thinking a lot about, um, so there's this scene where this guy comes in, who I guess is, like, the second customer, right? That kind of older man. Right. Mm-hmm. And he orders a coffee, has a sip, and he says, um, you know, this is really good, but it could be better. I, which I think both of us were like, oh, my God, yeah. dude, seriously. <laughs> like, like, come on. We don't need this. Yeah. This, this isn't the movie I asked <laughs> <No>. for. <laughs> um, so he's like, do you want me to show you how? And she's kind of like, okay, like pretty hesitantly. Um, so he makes the coffee almost the exact same way she did and like puts his finger into the beans and mm-hmm. says Kopi Luwak, which I guess he says it's a kind of charm to make it taste better. Yeah. And she's kind of mystified by this. And she tries it. She tries it. <laughs> and he's like, it has to come from the heart. Yeah. And then for each coffee that she made throughout the film, it was like Kopi Luak. And mm-hmm. she took the time and just like stared at the coffee and then she'd serve it. And everyone was like, this is delicious. Yeah. Like, even more so than they had responded the first time. But I think like the key part of that was when she tries that coffee that that guy makes. Yeah. He says. Oh, my God. Um, it's always better when somebody else makes it for you. Mm-hmm. And I I first was like, oh, is this hinting at the fact that she's alone, that she's single? Throughout there had been comments of like, oh, my God, you moved here without your husband mm-hmm. and you're running a restaurant without your husband. Yeah. Um, and I took it that way in the beginning as well. But then I think it really shifts, too, in that her understanding that that sentiment that like oh it tastes better when someone makes it for you isn't necessarily about her it's like what can she give to other people Mm. so I feel like all of the people that end up coming to her diner all the regular customers she has like they love it because somebody else made it for them and we learn later on that that was a saying that her dad would tell her Mm -hmm. um, when he would make her onigiri two times a year um and like the really special moments it would, he'd always say it's always better when someone makes it for you yeah so I feel like she's she's very much like an embodiment of that 
statement, you know, mm-hmm. in that she cares deeply about other people and how we saw like her interact with the two other women. She's has super, super strong intuition and empathy. And that really translates into her work and, you know, what she provides for other people. And I guess maybe like the other end of that is, is like, what does she give for herself or like Mm. who takes care of her? You know, maybe that's like the other question that gets brought up by that. And no one really asked throughout the film. Yeah. She's pretty, she's pretty stable. Mm hmm. But maybe, yeah, it's like she gets satisfaction from that work and like from those relationships, it kind of like reciprocates what she's putting out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that's something we say a lot, even in a joking way. Like, I don't know. I would always ask my mom to like scratch my back or something. And she's like, you can do it yourself. And I'm like, but it's better when you scratch it. Like, it's not the same. You can't like tickle yourself or scratch your own back. Or make your own food. I don't know. Um, so in like that sense, it's something I always thought about like in a more lighthearted way. But well, to think about that in a bigger sense right. is like. And you've made your mom's dishes and you've been like, well, my mom makes it better. You know, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And she might not make it better, but it's because it's made by your mom. Yeah. That like it it tastes better. Yeah. And it feels better. So it's interesting to apply that to like a people sense i yeah. don't know beyond just food right mm-hmm. but just like how we do things for other people Care for or... others yeah yeah <laughs> i feel like emotional just thinking about this it movie. was well i it yeah i really enjoyed the fact that she didn't ask about the past there was always a way of the way that she comforted was by giving food and coffee mm-hmm. and then what's next right and she kind of sat silent giving them the coffee and then they would share what they're going to do um or she'd ask a question that would make them think more and i think that was uh like most it shined through with masako mm-hmm. who lost her luggage and she was like oh are you like will you get it back or do you need some clothes i can give you some clothes and masako thought and she was like oh i c-, you know she put down her money and she goes i'm gonna go get some clothes and just like that she thought oh i can i can do it myself but I needed someone to bring that point to me. Mm-hmm. And just, there was, I don't know, I think a lot of people, we have stories and how we came to who we are, but she doesn't focus on that. Yeah, kinda she's like where you're going. moving forward. And that's true, actually. I didn't yeah. really think about that side of it and how she interacts with people. Because she is very much um, kind of this, like, receiving end throughout the film of, like, people sharing their stories or um, bringing their worries to her. Even yeah. yeah, even when uh, like Midori becomes very stressed about the fact that there's no customers, and she is like putting in a lot of effort to buying reindeer meat. <laughs> yeah, so she she has this idea that like oh well if we can accommodate or kind of cater to Finnish tastes more, like let's change some of the Japanese ingredients to Finnish ones. We I think when she says that like we see Sachi's initial re- hesitation. She's like. Uh, yeah but still she says let's try let's it. try it like we have nothing to lose by trying it and when it didn't work out she said at least we tried it yeah and it her attitude is just so it's not like irritatingly positive no you know those characters they're just like okay nobody like that actually <laughs> nobody, exists yeah. and if they did i probably wouldn't like them right <laughs> right no she's it's just forward thinking mm-hmm. yeah but still leaves room for people to like be themselves and do their own thing. They don't have to like grow at their pace. Stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I wanted to address also maybe the forest oh my scene. Goodness. There's, there's some like kind of trippy things in this movie. Um, I maybe actually will play some music and then come back to that and really yeah. get in that mode. Can dive deep. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, there's, there's a element of like surrealism to this movie that I think will be fun to explore. Um, but until then, we're going to go to some tunes and then we'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start off with, uh, Echo of Dawn by Tops. This is one of their new songs. And then we'll play All Night by Men I Trust. Um, yeah, we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
Now the patriarchy is dead, and we killed it. If you identify as a woman, femme, trans, or non-binary, CITR wants you on the air. You can talk about literally whatever you want as long as you care about it. No worries if you have no experience, we'll train you in everything you need to know. 
Come by CATR and say hi. Hey. Hi. Hello. From 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday to Friday to help us never play Led Zeppelin on CATR 101.9 FM ever again. This Quarter Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, this quarter lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. Welcome back to The Real World on CA Terry 101.9 FM. Um, yeah, I'm Alex. I'm Bex. And we're back talking about uh, Kamome Shokudo or Kamome Diner. Um, yeah, we left off uh, talking about surreal, trippy stuff in the movie, which I did not expect to happen. No. You think it's straightforward? And then it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but there's this part, so Masako, who's the third woman who comes, and she's kind of the oldest out of all of them. Who lost her luggage. Yeah. She is talking to the other two women about, like, why are Finnish people so calm? And, like, they just really take their time doing stuff. What makes them that way? And then 
the regular customer, Tommy, who's the first customer they ever had, he's kind of listening. And then he interjects and is like, it's because of the forests. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which to me, I'm like, you know, Vancouver, I get that. We have them everywhere. They're really calming. And so I didn't think much of it. Mm-hmm. And then she just stands up and she's like, I'm going to the forest. Yeah. It's such a direct kind of consequence of that statement. Yeah. She's so like, okay, I'm going now. And then we cut to her in this amazingly absolutely lush, crazy, green, beautiful forest. Yeah. And she has a hat in her hand. And in the hat, I thought they were leaves, like golden leaves. Mm-hmm. And they ended up being like really golden yellow mushrooms stacking up in her arms. And was there music then? I don't remember, actually. Uh, I don't think so. Because remember, she looks up and you just hear the wind of the trees. And and you see the trees. Yeah, the trees I remember moving. just the sound of the trees. Yeah, I think that's all I remember, too. Or if there was music, it was very light. Um, but yeah, the entire shot there is just focused on her like picking up these mushrooms and just like absorbing everything happening around her it was such a like for me i'm like okay i gotta go home get my hiking shoes on gotta put my rain jacket you know just in case and she went out in her like little low heels and with her leather purse and everything and she was just like transported to the forest and it's like the the middle of the forest yeah there's no road in sight no path we're just like i don't know how she got here but okay yeah it, it was beautiful mm-hmm. um but yeah nothing's really said in that moment and we just see her picking up the mushrooms and then later she comes back after going to the forest and the other two women are like oh did you get some mushrooms like there's a lot out there and she was like i did but i lost them they're gone now they're gone. <laughs> yeah. and and you're like i don't what? know it just moves the conversation moves on very quickly from that so you're not really you know, we were both like given any more that? information than that because she had like a hefty pile yeah. of mushrooms in her arms. And because she responded, they're gone now. We were like, oh, did she eat them? Were they like psychedelic? Like what happened? There? Yeah, I remember we were sitting and I was like, this lady's tripping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But we moved on quite quickly. Yeah. And then more closer to the end of the film, um, she does end up getting her luggage back. So she brings it to her hotel room, well, plops first, it on her bed. First, she goes to the cafe and says, I got my l- luggage back, mm-hmm. so I'm leaving. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And it was kind of like, oh, shoot. Like, that's what was keeping yeah, her it's a little sad. in Finland. And then she goes back to the hotel. Um, yeah, and then we see her open up the suitcase, and it's focused on her face when she's opening it. And it's there's a word for this, actually. Somebody taught me it recently. Um, it's like a film a MacGyver or something like that. I don't Mm. remember the name, but it's for that kind of effect where something's glowing. Yeah. But you as the viewer don't see what's inside of it, but you just see that it's like something, I don't know, mysterious or valuable or whatever, but it kind of has that effect. And then we do see what's inside and it's all the golden mushrooms, like so many of them just glowing Piled. piled in there. And again, like nothing is said, no information is given. She doesn't look bummed out that her clothes aren't in there. No. It's just like, that's the way it is. And then she goes back to the cafe, right? And she goes, uh, I'm staying or yeah. something. And she decided, she's like, my stuff, something happened with my luggage. So now I'm staying. Oh, she and she gets a cat. Oh, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> so she gets back on the phone with the airline and she's like, yeah, this is my luggage, but something seems different about it. And then as she's on this phone... This man with a cat, who we've seen multiple times in the film before this, just walks by and silently hands her a cat. cat. And so then she goes to the diner and she's like, "Uh, yeah, so I have a cat now, so I guess I'm going to stay. (laughs) Which I was thinking about that. And it's like the little things that tie you to a place Mm -hmm. and how we can be uncomfortable in that space and be like, I got to go. But something else might come up or something does come up and you're like, maybe I should stay mm-hmm. maybe there maybe I think for them it was kind of like chance and the universe bringing them something that allowed them to stay right uh whereas like the luggage losing her luggage was a great way to keep her in Finland and then she got it back and then she's like okay I'm leaving and then she got a cat so she's like now I'm staying yeah so it's like we find these little excuses, excuses. to stay in one place or stay with a person or or whatever 
or maybe follow the tiny little voice that's like maybe we should stay here yeah she's like she just needed a reason a bigger reason than mm-hmm. to just follow that intuition yeah. and i remember this phrase that midori says in the beginning sachi asks her like why did you come to finland and she answers a stab in the dark like that was her first response to that mm-hmm. question and it turned out that she you know pulled out a map closed her eyes and just pointed her finger at what happened to be Finland, and that's why she came there. Um, but yeah, that's like that whole chance element, yeah. and you end up in a place you don't know why, but something about it, you're kind of meant to be there, or you find reasons that that make more sense to you why you came there, mm-hmm. even though you didn't know in the beginning. Now that I think about it, now that you mention it, Midori is the only one that really follows her intuition, and like a, she went to the market and bought the reindeer and was like, let's try something new or let's mm-hmm. try this so we can get customers. I mean, they they are all aware of their intuition, but I think Midori is the one that like gives it the most time and listens to it. Whereas like Masako is uh, needing other people to kind of get her there. And then Sachi has her established life kind of already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it seems like Sachi's very much like, oh, it'll work out. And, like, we will get customers somehow. We just have to keep working hard. But Midori's, yeah, kind of takes more initiative and is, like, well, what ways can we get there faster? Like, what and, can we try? But she just does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in the same way she ends up coming to Finland. Like, she just points her finger at a map. Goes for it. And goes for it. Yeah, yeah. she's such an interesting character, actually, the more I think about her. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really cute. They're really cute friends. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, so you want to talk about the style oh something i had read is that there's a specific name to what the director blanking on her name um, okigami yeah the style of her film it's like calming um and it's uh, all about films that provide emotional healing and the name of it was yashike ega yeah and it it talks about just like natural elements calming music natural sounds and then also tying in that she focuses on like the theme in most of her films is that she focuses on culture clash and foreigners being in a new place Mm -hmm. and having to deal with unfamiliar settings and elements and practices in that culture and then she shows how they combat that how they deal with it and move forward Mm -hmm. and that wasn't as prominent with sachi because she had kind of developed some roots there, but her business moved forward, and then she learned from the man that came in about the coffee. Right. Um, and I think with Masako and Midori, who were newer to Finland, we definitely saw that and how they kind of created space and a home for themselves mm-hmm. in Helsinki. Yeah. That was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask was about um, – how do kind of insider-outsider tensions play out in this movie? Um, for example, like them trying to turn the onigiri into like a Finnish version right. or the people who are looking through the window throughout the film. Um, I think at the beginning, there's like these three old Finnish women who are always looking through the window at Nako yeah. when she has no customers. And not at Nako, sorry, Sachi. Um, and they're kind of pitying her. They're like, yeah. she's still here She's never had any customers. And they and they also say things like, oh, I can't even tell if she's, she's an a, adult oh my God, yeah. or a child. She's so tiny. This should be called like a child's, child's diner, diner rather than a single yeah. diner. Um, which is, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting it's to that, hear that stuff. It's the lack of understanding. It was like that window because they were looking through the window. Mm-hmm. It was like the window was the barrier. Yeah. So and, that was one of my questions too is like ro- what role does that window play yeah it seems so important you know in so many of the shots mm, it's just looking in on someone but not looking at them i guess mm-hmm. not understanding them and seeing them for who they actually are just looking at the it's the first judgment i guess that someone has and that window is the barrier of allowing that to happen right and i think yeah it was really tough this woman came by like every day and then there was like a drunk, scary lady that came by later on, and she would just stare in like mm-hmm. this kind of murderous way. Um, and I, w- I feared for that. I was like, oh my gosh, this was the-. but she just stayed behind that that glass. Um, 
And the only thing Sachi did is she just smiled and nodded and acknowledged them. And I think it was kind of like, if they don't want to come in, then they're not ready to understand me. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to let them stay out there. Uh, And what ended up bringing them in was she made amazing cinnamon rolls. And the the smell smell. goes out into the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always liked that whenever people were looking through the window, even that really kind of scary lady, um, Sachi always responds, yeah, with a smile and with a bow. It's very Japanese. She doesn't, you know, like wave or say something in Finnish or something like that. Yeah, she she very much sticks to who she is and the way that she would greet customers, not the way that they expect her to. And the way she would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah. Midori has a different approach where she's like, oh my God, why is this woman staring at me? And kind of gives them like a weird look mm-hmm. and runs away. And yeah, so we everything see... is kind of on her sleeve, I think. Right. Whereas Sachi is to that. very contained. She doesn't give like strong reactions to any of those things, you know, only like courtesy and consideration and things like that. And I think there's something to the fact that she's not desperate. For customers. Mm-hmm. She wants customers to come to her because they want to go in and she wants to serve them. It's not like she's going to try to pull them in and serve them food and force them to eat it. She wants them to want to come in and see her space and get to know her food. Right. And she's, culture. we learn towards the beginning, she's very, not particular about the customers she wants, but Midori uh, mentions that she should try and market the diner to Japanese tourists who like want a taste of Japan while they're in Finland um but Sachi doesn't want that you know she wants it to be appreciated and respected by Finnish people and she doesn't want to change the menu or anything the like, cultural they just exchange like it what it is. exactly so the diner really acts as I guess this like epicenter of that mm-hmm. cultural clash and we see you know bad sides of it like the kind of comments that those old women made um good sides of it with like Tommy you know he has this like kind of different cultural appreciation where he likes anime and cartoons and things like that um and wants to share that with them or, or wants to practice Japanese with them and things like that um, and then also like the culinary appreciation as well. And mm-hmm. I guess culinary bridging over into cultural, you know, we see everybody filling the diner at the end and her just satisfaction that they're all eating her food, you know, yeah. like her Japanese food. She didn't alter the recipes or anything. It's what she wants to make and they like it. Mm-hmm. And that's, it is so satisfying in the end. And it made me realize how much, like food can bring people together Mm -hmm. and I definitely I don't know sometimes I don't give it that credit like it's just food it's just a meal it's very like I eat for fuel right I think as a college student too like you think that way as a student but when we can sit down and eat together you and I we try to do that Mm -hmm. or have like our our once a month thing just eat peanut butter out of a container (laughs) or yeah or try a new restaurant in Vancouver yeah we find time and when we do that it's like the best time of you know we live together but having that moment allows us to like sit down and be like yes we appreciate each other Mm -hmm. and it does build a bridge having having food and having those moments to sit down and I think she realizes that for sure yeah in her diner yeah, I think we see that kind of play out so many times with people coming in and ordering a coffee. And it's all very, you know, meticulous, too. They always show Midori serving it and them taking a first sip. And Sachi looking at them taking the first sip. Yeah, exactly. The satisfaction that comes with that. Mm-hmm. No matter, like, if that customer is regular or whatever, like, that process is always shown to us. Mm. Um, and like you said, how you, you became very familiar with all like the sounds and the feel of the, of the diner. I feel like that's part of it too, is, is we're kind of like put through it again and again and again in the same way that the characters are too. Mm -hmm. Um, another interesting point I was thinking, so this kind of scary drunk lady, um, they end up helping her out. I guess she kind of like passes out and they get her home And she reveals that she's really struggling, that her husband had left her recently and she's just feeling really alone and she doesn't understand why he left. Um, And then afterwards, we see Midori and Sachi having a conversation about the fact that 
no matter where people are, there are lonely people and changing your location. Sad is sad wherever you are. Exactly. Doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily change the fact that you're sad or alone. Um, I don't know. That was like a really potent moment. It was in the movie for me. And something that surprised me was she, that woman shared that story with Masako. And when they were leaving the house, Saji, I think she asked Masako or Midori, do you speak Finnish? Mm -hmm. And Masako goes, no. But Masako was the one that shared this woman's story about her husband leaving her. And I, that, that made me realize that like language is a way of communicating, but it's not, it doesn't have to be a barrier to understanding. And I think that's when that line, sad is sad, wherever you go and being lonely can happen anywhere Mm -hmm. is something we all understand and is a language in and of itself. And we don't need to communicate verbally to really understand that. Yeah. And relate and comfort each other out of, out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's such like a kind of all-encompassing universal aspect to it. I guess I was thinking a lot about it too because um, I remember like this summer when I was in Japan and my mom came to see me and I was talking to her about the fact that like I never learned Japanese growing up. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe like I was a bit resentful that she had never taught me. Um, and she like she really emphasized I had never really heard her say this before, but she emphasized the fact that that communication is universal. And she was like, maybe you don't know Japanese or you can't like fluently read or write and things like that. But there are more important things than that that can still be communicated. And that's not kind of like the end all be all like you can still express to your grandmother or to your friends in Japan or whatever that you care about them without being perfectly fluent in the Mm. language and I mean I I think in this case in the movie like yeah maybe there's no way she would have understood all of the nuances of the Finnish woman's story since they don't speak the same language but yeah I don't know I guess I've experienced so many instances where like communication is more than possible and oftentimes like even more um impactful even when you don't speak the same language Mm -hmm. like I definitely feel that like with my own mother or with my grandmother or or anything like that 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 you can still express certain things no matter what yeah oh that's so cute (laughs) heartwarming (laughs) but um yeah I guess now that I I didn't I hadn't read that before that she her films like focus on that like culture clash but that makes a lot of sense to me knowing that now because so much of it yeah revolves around like our you know geographical location our like cultural background and like how that all works bringing it together yeah I think it also is her story because she moved from Japan to the U.S. Right. and not only studied film and then worked on film sets and that's a lifestyle and she was a PA, I think, to start out with. And that's a whole learning curve and a culture shock. Mm-hmm. And so she probably had to adjust and felt lonely and sad and can communicate that clearly because she's felt all those things right. through her films and how she adjusted to the situation. Yeah. And it's so, I guess what I like best about it is just like how simply all of that is communicated to us. It's not this like whole complex web of stories and all these like dramatic monologues and stuff. It's all just these really simple everyday moments. It really simplifies us mm-hmm. like humans and not in a bad way. Yeah, it's not oversimplification it's, at all. It's something that's refreshing because mm-hmm. I think right now I see a lot of complicated characters in films that are like layers upon layers upon layers and you find the ones that you can relate to. But with this film, you can kind of relate to every character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes their story easy to understand. Yeah. And I guess like, yeah, a lot of like the really, I don't want to say overcomplicated characters that we see in a lot of like movies and TV right now, but they kind of make me think I'm also extremely complicated, which like obviously as humans we are, are. but it's nice to see like a level of emotional simplicity where you can just be reminded that that it doesn't always have to be complicated. Mm -hmm. Like I think oftentimes we make it that way for ourselves or like we let circumstances or environment like really 
invade all of that. But I think watching that, like her go swimming every day or cook or just do these like normal things with the kind of intention that she carries, I think it's it's easy to to lose sight of that every mm. day in what we're doing and like all the crazy busyness productivity that we're so right. focused on. Like it was just really, really refreshing, like you said, to see that that we can be that way. Like there's you're no one's limiting you from from living a life like that, you know, that is simple and calm and Yeah. I don't know. It was a good reminder amidst this time. <laughs> yeah. Something I wanted to add. Um, going back to the production design aspect, I was thinking about her calm space of her home. And I loved the way so she had these like bright yellow but not too bright walls mm-hmm. and they're they're quite calming and we only saw from the floor to like half of the wall in every in in all of her living room and her room because she was doing aikido mm-hmm. um, which her dad had taught her but i just loved the way it was shot that we didn't need to see her whole space that we saw where she was and how calm she made it and it made us calm it wasn't it wasn't like Mm, constricting it all to just see half of the space and half of the wall it just mattered of what she does in that space and Mm -hmm. how she lives I just I really appreciated that yeah yeah I think that adds to like the whole kind of simple living thing and Midori comes into the shots exactly to join her they don't like accommodate the camera to expand to Midori or anything like she joins her in doing this activity and yeah all of it I don't know it's just all really well thought out Definitely would recommend yeah. this movie. Um, I'm wondering if we have time for one more song, Something. possibly. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, yeah, we're going to play a song, and then we'll be out of here. So thanks yeah. for tuning in. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with what movie. I'm not sure yet, but uh, we'll catch you soon. Bye. Take care. <laughs> Toujours à 